uh, sir, um, another edition of the recording. So we have um, an Eddie here who is a program manager for Sub-Saharan Africa at Google. And it's super exciting to have him here. And we call him the chief developer ecosystem manager for Nigeria. <laughs> I think, I don't know, how should I explain how I got by that name? So that name, which originated for like, so you can have this plan on like a really big event and you won't find that lady there. Like you can't, it's there, like it's there. And when things are really happening in the ecosystem, like it's there to like always come out and say, okay, hey, this is not supposed to be like this way and just say things straight. And that's like, it's super exciting to really have you here. I'm excited to even see you here. Like you have the time, but you're here. Thanks so much. So, yeah, um, thanks. Thank you, Ari. Find a little bit of intro about yourself and what, like the work you do so we can all like get started with the questions. Sure. Um, first of all, I didn't study developer relations in high school, college, or master's. I just sort of like stumbled on the job. Um, I've always been very interested in the community, passionate about the community, and today I have the privilege, and I really feel it's a privilege, of working on the developer relations team at Google. So my name is Anie D. I have basically spent all my even schooling, working years, based in Nigeria. In hush hush, first time I traveled out of like West Africa was after I joined Google, which was a couple of decades after I was born. Uh, but um, for me, it has been a very humbling experience, a great opportunity. Um, so currently working on developer relations team at Google, I mean, in a very broad sense, the team is all about um, helping developers and developers, and you expand that a bit to influencers, enthusiasts, designers, entrepreneurs, founders, then we can close that up, um, succeed using Google and open technologies. Um, so, so that's like the basic mission. So every single time you sort of make a decision or you have, um, you want to do something, you want to work on an initiative, you want to partner with someone, you want to get involved, you want to write something, and you put that ideally at the back of your mind. First of all, understanding from a larger perspective what Google's mission is, which is to organize the world's information and make it accessible. And then from your own mission where you're like, okay, your own part of this mission is to help encode developers succeed, right? Um, so there's, there's a couple of angles or lenses or dimensions to that. Um, it starts with everything from just awareness. So, you know, awareness of the technologies, a little bit of advocacy, you know, letting people know what the technology is about, and then finally getting a lot of feedback for Google and the Google developer teams. Um, I like to think of it like if you were an engineer hired at Google, right, or a developer or a UX person, um, you would come into the company and you have a lot of resources. You have senior engineers, you have mentors, you have documentation, you have probably food and everything just like, everything put together for you. You can just sit down and focus and start building. Um, so we are the team, or I work on the team, that is concerned or focused on all the engineers who do not work at Google, who don't have that exact privilege. So there's a number of roles and a number of varieties of opportunities for um, the engineering program managers within Google to make all those resources available. So everything from writing documentation to answering it's questions on Stack Overflow or product forums. 
to to recording videos to um you know talking at events to organizing community and then just to be able to so there's a variety of roles and, and that variety of roles can give you the variety of um job titles developer experience developer engineer developer advocate developer customer success engineer whatever it is developer platforms engineer developer relations um but yeah but i work as a program manager which means there are a couple of defined programs at google that are saying here's how you approach the ecosystem of the community and it is your responsibility as a program manager to make those programs work uh, your program may be a global program and sometimes your program may be a regional program where there are like 20 or 50 or an infinite number of programs and they say go make as many of these programs that are relevant to Africa or to Europe or to Russia or to North America. Go make them work within your region. So in a nutshell, I'm an EAD. I've been on Google Developer Relations for about four years and my primary sort of responsibility is helping that Google mission succeed and I do that by trying to ensure that the programs we have designed are relevant to developers and communities in Africa. Okay, that's super exciting. That's very exciting. And one thing I didn't mention that during, when I started was, so Annette is a really funny guy. So get those traps to your seat and just get ready to laugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, said some of that. I'll try, to be I'll, try to, I'll try to be very normal today. <laughs> Okay, so um, the first question I'm going to get started with is, so how exactly do you define developer advocacy? So a whole bunch of people will define it in so many ways. I would define it in like many ways, but like how do you define developer advocacy? What are the things that makes a great developer advocacy altogether? Oh, great question. So um, I can take that from like two sort of, you know, who are, who are the two customers for you? You know, who are your two users, two groups of users or your two personas? The first thing is if you work for a payment company, a platform company, a tools company, a solutions company, then your company and the actual software engineers in your company are one group of users, right? And then the other group of users or the other people that you sort of serve, because you're actually a servant, when you call me ecosystem, that is actually ecosystem servant. The other people that you serve are the developers that do not work for your company, right? Mm -hmm. So they are, these are the two users. So you're in the middle of the engineering, the engineering capabilities, the tools, the frameworks, the whatever infrastructure that your company's engineers are providing. And then you're serving them to the engineers that do not work for your company. So you have to advocate for both people. So if people are building tools on the inside, you need to be able to have enough information to say, hey, this thing you're building, I'm not sure people will like it. They've been building with this tool. They've been working with this platform. It is this easy for them to work with or integrate or learn or follow. So you have to do some advocacy for the external developers to your internal developers, right? Um, and then on the other side, you're, on, you're, you're taking a lot of feedback. You, you're, you're, who are these other people that are on the inside? They want the people inside to build this for them, to add a feature, to make the documentation easier, to add some other platform, to support another language, to provide content in a, in a different, when I say even language now, I'm saying like a different, in, 
normal language. So in French, in, in Portuguese, in Yoruba, in in Spanish, right? So you you have people on the inside who want to know what's happening for the developers on the outside. And then they have people on the outside who want to know what the people on the inside of your company are thinking, planning, or designing for them. Um, so in both situations, that advocacy, that evangelism is you taking a message from the inside and saying, hey, here's what the people on the inside are doing. Here's where they are going. Here's how they want you to use the platform or to maximize your productivity. And then there's the other people on the inside who are telling you stuff doesn't work, like this thing is too complicated. There's an easier way to do this. So you have to take that message and advocate for them when people are inside the company designing the frameworks, the APIs, or the platform. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of like a, a, a middle ground, you know, like it's a brokerage where you're providing answers to these people and providing feedback there, you're providing plans and feedback here and then giving it to these people. And then sometimes just get out of the way and just listen to all the conversations. Um, that's kind of like where sometimes you find me on Twitter just listening. Sometimes I go in a very opinionated. Sometimes I'm just quiet. Sometimes I'm just like looking around. But, but it's a lot of, it's the voice. You, you're the voice of either the product engineer or the platform engineer. And also you're the voice of the community or the people using the platform. Yeah. Okay. That's going to lead me to like my next question, which is rounded around. So at Google, we have roles like developer relations, we have developer advocacy, we have developer relations engineer. So at Google, is developer relations, is it just focused towards community or there's like the engineering side of developer advocacy? So if you want to become a developer advocate, that means you can either be like a community person or be an engineer or be like a mixture of both. So how exactly does it work? Well, I mean, you know, Google is a very interesting place and um, it can take you two years to figure out what your job description is. And then when you finish, finish figuring out what your job description is, it can take you another two years to figure out what your job vision is or what you're measured by or what you're supposed to be doing. Um, I think a lot of times, like with software, it is a question of what's not in scope versus what is in scope. Because... If, especially if you're in a sort of a liberal company with a large team, you know, a company or an organization that gives you some latitude, there's a tendency to do a lot, and sometimes it's not necessary. But um, coming back to your definitions of the roles, in many, many ways, there are clear role definitions. Um, so like a program manager, and, I, and I've said this a couple of times, as a program manager on the developer relations team, um, you're, you're an engineering program manager. You have an engineering background. You probably come from one stack or the other. It could be Java, JavaScript. It could be backend, frontend, UX. You really sort of have, to be coming from web, Android, cloud, or machine learning, you have sort of like your own toolbox, your own experience. But when you come into the role, the most important thing is right now you're into sort of program management or project management. And then sometimes the, the simple definition is that a program is sort of like a series of ongoing projects with different initiatives. So for instance, at, in my role, you can have the GDG program, the Google Developer Groups program. You can have the GDE program, the Google Developer Experts program. You can have like accelerator program. You could have diversity focused programs like Women Tech Makers. So these programs have been defined and have been said, Here's the audience 
okay, we need to even create a specific program for students. So it's a developer student clubs program. So what will you do? We'll build a club of communities. We'll teach them basic technologies. We'll help them um, solve local problems and learn how to build their first app. And we will try to get this program into 1,000 institutions in 50 countries or 100 countries around the world. So that sort of program definition or projects, it's, it's like there's, these are ongoing projects. It's not a project you do and you close. So in GDG or in DSC or in Women Tech Makers, there will be ongoing projects that come into that program. And then you as the program manager are managing those programs probably for a long time. Those programs could be 10 years, five years, it could be ongoing forever, and then you're managing them. Now, when it comes to the specific of like maybe that program, you might now say, in this program, we want to focus a lot on people learning how to build Android apps. We want to focus a lot on people learning how to build their first web app. We want to connect them to scholarship or certification opportunities or mentoring opportunities. If you look at what I'm doing, there's a lot of people management there. There's a lot of community focus there. That is just one aspect of the wider DevRel or DevRel ecosystem. Now, there are other roles, and you're absolutely right. When you are even a technical writer, it is developer relations. In many ways, a technical writer could sit on the developer relations organization structure. In that case, when someone builds an SDK or someone builds an API, your job is to maybe write documentation so that developers on the outside can understand what was built or can easily come into that role. Um, some other points, it could be pure developer advocacy, in which case, we say we've built this platform. It's the latest, newest, shiny tool. It's called Tofla or Flutter. It's called Flow10 Flow or TensFlow, whatever you call it. And it does this particular thing. Now, you may have the responsibility of creating content on channels like Audacity, Pluralsight, or the company's own channel, tutorials, how to, the basic hello world, advanced implementations, how to do a database migration, how to um, sort of take some sample data, ingest it, run it in a new tool, maybe BigQuery or, you know, start to do some maybe login on Spanner. It might be very specific, in which case you are actually building an app or you could even have an app that, or a service that for the next three, four, five years, you keep adding things to it, you know, this day you're, you're showing people a new paradigm and then you're breaking down a monolithic app that you've had for like four years and now you know splitting into a couple of microservices you're integrating some tools or you're showing how it can be moved from on-premise to cloud so in that kind of experience you're not necessarily the community person making sure that gdgs exist and that they're healthy but you're creating the kind of content that sometimes a program manager like me could go on and say oh, let's have a front-end conference or a conference about accelerated mobile pages. And like you would do, I would go find our very good friend, Ben Moore, also who's an expert in AMP, and say, hey, Ben, since you sit closely with the AMP product team and you're looking at the use cases for AMP in publishing or in film or in cinema or in small businesses, I do have this community, which I, as a program manager in Dev Ecosystem, Dev, I have these relationships, I have these influences, I have these contacts. 
you have this content and this close relationship with where the project, where the product is now, where the product is going, you can now come to my community. So in the long run, whether you're doing it, it it's sometimes like this, um, what will I say, this controversy about who's a programmer, who's a software developer, who is an application engineer, who is a coder. In some situations, it, it, I'm, the nomenclature doesn't really, really matter. And I think we had this sort of opinionated conversation on Twitter recently within me and one of my big bosses. Um, but uh, it, it, it all depends. So the reason why I also said at the beginning is you could wear a couple of hats. I could be great at community. I could be focused as a program manager in delivering some very specific community programs, making sure the ecosystem is healthy, getting events together, even doing a little bit of the administrative work that has to do with keeping the community up and running and getting an event or a conference to happen. However, if I really did have, and don't tell anybody that I don't, if I really did have all the technical capabilities and I was on the bleeding edge of maybe front-end development or React or cloud or NLP in machine learning, I could very well write tutorials, deliver lectures, uh, deliver talks on that specific thing. So though you could be a program manager, you could also be like really an advocate out there doing stuff. The final one I think um, is sometimes you have these sort of developer relations people. They may be working specifically with a company. So let's say hypothetically, and don't quote me, um, if I was working very closely with the Maps team, the Google Maps product team, mm -hmm. and the Maps API, there could be a need for like a big organization. And I think actually it was actually called Partner DevRel, where on like an Uber, you have someone who's in Google working closely to the dev with the DevRel team, oh. and someone who's in Google DevRel working closely with the Google Maps engineering team but literally spend 80 to 100% of his time right. working with the Uber engineering team to make sure that Google Maps and Uber work perfectly well, right? So, and then in some other places, maybe your PayPal or Flutterwave or Paystack, you know, or Braintree or somewhere, your role may be around integration. And if you have, say, a Shopify or some other platform like a Jumia that is doing some volumes of transactions, if you want to change something on your API, you better ask their permission because if something breaks, you know, you have to work closely with this, your closest partners, maybe even with the regulatory agencies. Because if you add something to the API, so if the engineers go and say, oh, we're going to now move this thing from APC XYZ to machine learning and blockchain and cloud, and we will no longer be responding to this API endpoint. And they don't tell anybody. Okay, we can't do if you try that one today today <laughs> our biggest customer is switching to the other guy that's been waiting for us to just go you know so sometimes you have things like partner devrel where in quotes and i'm just saying this loosely i'm literally seeing the code base of both the api or the engineering platform like the maps or the payments and even the code base and the API of okay. the partner I'm connecting to, and I'm under some very serious NDA. So there, there are sort of like relationships like that that go beyond just writing, you know, or coming to and say, here's Flutter, Flutter is beautiful, it's great for this, it's great for that. I may need to go and work with GQ or New York Times or CNN 
for them to do their flutter or their amp implementation. So that even when we want to launch flutter, we can now say, I'd like to invite on the stage ABC from these who just moved there. You know, so so there are many various roles. Like I said, I absolutely don't know all those roles. Um, and once in a while, you double from here to there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, program management, you know, ecosystem building, code, technical writing, documentation, even just creating the YouTube videos and being very able to explain and communicate very well. Um, not everyone has all these gifts, and the larger the company, the more specialized your DevRel responsibilities are. Amazing, amazing. So, um, so the next question is around, so as someone who has like a lot of background in um, data science, AI, big data, so what is it like for you? What, what was it like? I think it's past tense now. So what was it like switch, for you switching from like all of those like technical things to like um, program management, managing like large scale communities across like um, a whole country, like even I think continents in this case, because like it's for Africa, yeah. like whole continent. Yeah. So how was the switch like? Do you want the webinar answer or the real answer? There's no answer. <laughs> so the real answer was, first of all, I mean, if you are sitting in Nigeria and you've schooled all your life in Nigeria mm. and you're almost at a midlife crisis, about to hit 40, and they say, come and take a job at Google, almost, I would have been selling ads. <laughs> I would do anything, right? Yeah. But then... For the fact that I, I had a very brief, you know, development career, I'd always been very, very interested. I mean, even when I worked in one of my, some of the previous companies, I think one of the companies where I, I really took a, a very clear opportunity or direction to do sort of like a career shift was when I worked in Pagada roughly about 10 years ago. And then I worked with Kyle Biosu, who's an excellent product manager. So you, you see that kind of, in some startups, you see that kind of, um, trend where if you work in a company especially when at the beginning when it's small depending on the well, i say the strength of the product manager you can think of the product design it work it out you know think of the roadmap versus maybe like a tech ceo think of a marketer right that actually can roll up his sleeves and code and actually write software. So I worked in Paga and I was working with a product CEO. So I, I slowly got pulled out of pure technical or technical support or DevOps and started thinking about the product because some of the tasks that were put on my table were about product management. So that drift sort of happened. And at the point I was doing my job, putting food on the table, excited about where mobile money could, could take us to. And then I was still attending a lot of events with the GDG, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, it was kind of like the rise of CC Hub. It was down the road. So I would go for Dev Parapor. I would see so many things. There were other people ahead of us again. You know, when you think of people like Shino or Yotesho of Microsoft or Daily Day, you know, and then there was things like mobile money. So I could see this profile of developer relations, developer ecosystem, community, you know, activity. And I, I craved for it. And then Emeka Figo was there as well, you know, close friend, looked up to him. I'm like, I'll do anything to have this guy's job. And I, I didn't know that one day he would sort of like put it back on the buffet table for us to go for. So eventually joining Google was just very much about joining Google because I was kind of aligned already. Technical background, 
you know, done a little bit of, you know, program and project management and other side hustle, then I could at least understand and speak code, you know, I didn't have to go and learn what was HTML, you know, I could pass the interview and join the company. Um, I was okay with the job and I, I was happy to be working for that sort of company. And then, like I, I tell people at times, I, I, I attend events with my money. This was now, I used to pay to attend events. I used to pay to go to events. Now you are telling me I should go to events and be paid. Wow. That was mind blowing. And then you come into Google and then there's this huge opportunity where, like they say, you can be anything you want to be. You can learn anything you want to learn. So I think the, for me, the first few things was getting the hang of the job, you know, learning the ropes, getting things done. How, how do things work? What am I supposed to do? What am I judged on? How can I get move on in my career, meet my manager's expectations? And then at some point, I now realized I was like in this ocean of technology. People that I used to see on videos were now my colleagues. You know, we, we had email address. I could ping them, right? I could I could meet Kat Kwan or Retomaya, you know, or Lawrence Moroni or Yufeng Go. I'm like, ah, Fadi, how far now? <laughs> you know? And then you could go into your company's repository of tutorials or how-tos or, you know, engineering things or short courses or recorded courses and just learn anything you want to learn. So at that point, you, you have to just decide in this vast information technology field, where do you want to sort of specialize, right? Do you want to do back-end, front-end? Do you want to do history, legacy systems? Do you want to think of the future, cloud? crypto, machine learning, you sort of make a decision and then it is not required of you, but I mean, if you have like that sort of technical fire burning in you, like a quest for knowledge and you can balance your time, which is almost impossible, then you can take on something and learn it. So I, I think for me, it's, it's almost like an 80-20 thing. So you spend 80%, I hope it's not the other way around, you spend 80% of your time focused on your job, your job description, which is very much aligned with who you are and what you do. And then you can take 20% of your time and say, do you know what? I want to learn TensorFlow. I want to figure out deep learning. I want to know where AI is headed. Um, I want to understand why crypto is like this. I want to see what is the future of cloud. And then you just start learning. And I learn from everywhere. I will start from Google. I will go to Wikipedia. I will learn, take up an Udemy course. I will pay $10 or get it free. And then eventually I could now use the access I have and ping someone like maybe you Feng or somebody else and say, hey, can you explain this to me? Or do you have some resources you would advise me to? And then on my spare time, either on Twitter or on social media or on a personal blog, or I can go and continue talking about these things. Um, I think eventually maybe the company may realize that, hey, this guy has a machine learning, you know, sort of tendency. Okay, we can encourage him. Your manager can like, oh, if you want to, be like our team's POC, point of contact, with the ML team. Since you have an interest, go for it, you know. Yeah, so that's kind of like how, how the, the transition is. I think you, if you're not, if you want to code and your job is not like, I don't write, I don't commit to Chrome or the Android platform or to Gmail or to any of our products. I'm not fixing bugs and on it. If I want to get involved in anything, I have to even do like a roundabout route and just be like a normal human being on GitHub and go and contribute to TensorFlow or Flutter, right? Because that is it's not required of, I don't even have the access to get into those environments and make commit commits, right? So I think it is an individual responsibility 
to to do this kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, exciting. Super exciting. So, um, okay. Next question is: So, I get a lot of people sending me DMs on Twitter, saying, uh, "Hey, I want to start this. What exactly do you guys even do?" Some people are like, "I understand what you guys do. Like, it's super amazing. How can I become a developer advocate? How can I like become like a developer relations person? Do I need to like know who know how to like like write a whole chunk of code? Like, what do I do to become a developer advocate?" And so the question basically is, for people out there watching this or listening to this right now, how exactly can they become a developer advocate? Um, so it's, it's pretty simple. Um, unfortunately, the answer is not easy. Uh, there aren't too, too many developer relations roles here in Nigeria, first of all, and in Africa. Because um, you need to be like a platform company, you know, like a payment company or like... Uh, a, maybe a voice API company and you know, think of like a Twilio or think of like an Africa's talking. You need to offer some sort of service that people connect to, to have a platform that people build on to really be in developer relations. Or unless you are building a tool or a framework, um, maybe a new, I don't know. You, you need to sort of be in sort of like that space. Um, we don't have that many engineering companies here. Uh, people building engineering or SDKs or platforms as a business, right? So you, you don't have too many of those roles. However, for those who even currently have those um, roles in their companies, they are actually looking for people and looking for qualified people. So the payment companies are looking for engineers that can help them shape their products and communicate product features and opportunities to the outside world. You know, people in ad tech, people in even media tech and all that. So there's, there's a couple of opportunities. So it's two things. Um, if you are in a smaller company, I think you would need to have both of them. And it's the kind of thing we talk about when we think of things like even looking for a community organizer or a Google developer expert. One is strong technical ability in a specific platform or product. And the other is that social or community outreach. Um, like I said, there are lots of great programmers who may not be able to do public speaking or write great technical posts, right? So if you really wanted a sort of developer relations job, I would say the best way to prepare is to continue building stuff, continue experimenting with technologies, continue building your technical career, and that's one. The other aspect is what is your community footprint or your outreach strategy? Are you a great writer? Can you record screencasts and videos? Can you interview people? Can you organize events? Can you build one community outreach superpower that someday, if you, if you faced an interview or you applied for a developer relationship or a developer advocacy job, those two things would be very, very clear. This guy is a great engineer, can do integration, or can build a framework, blah, 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 can write code. And then secondly, this guy can either create content connect with people or build relationships, write great blog posts, make great YouTube videos or write great technical content. So that's the way I would look at the, the best preparation for developer relations. Okay, so I guess we are down to the last question. This is, I think this is a question everyone will want to hear and everyone will be like excited to like your answer basically. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, I think we can get in like drum rolls or something. <laughs> so <laughs> the question is, now, is Google hiring? Like, are you guys Always. hiring? Always. Um, the, the question is, um, 
how we do we have the right role for you in the right location for you, right? Mm -hmm. I think if you go on the Carriers website at Google, there's a lot of opportunities. Um, there may be some requirements, and right now in this new phase of the world, you know, things have kind of like slowed down, and even people who got jobs and were supposed to either relocate or go start somewhere are sort of a bit stuck, but things are slowly easing up a bit. Um, I, 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 I want to say I believe there's Google hiring. Just go to careers.google.com. Um, and even a lot of our partners and close, I would say, partners, people that we work with, um, are also hiring as well. So I, I tell people that sometimes if you, if you want to get into Google, you don't have to always apply, you know, always be applying. Like I said, always be shipping. Um, always be applying, but also always be prepared in that you can work for another company that is doing something amazing that could easily be a Google partner or could get acquired by Google or could be doing something where the person in Google who's working with that company may say, hey, this is a great guy we could we could work with. And then even for Google staff, you're able to make things like a few referrals and say, I think this guy might be a great fit for our team or, you know, and then, yeah, people are always hiring. So sometimes you might not have the right location. There are things called like headcount and, you know, office, you know, logistics. Um, so maybe there might be a DevRel post in Lagos right now, but there could be a DevRel post in Sunnyvale or in Ontario or in Zurich or in London. So I would always say check out the broader DevRel organization and the engineering roles that are that are available and hopefully something that matches your strength or works for you will come along. Okay, that's super exciting. So um, well, if someone um, in context has um, additional questions, how can they reach out to you? Oh, so great. Twitter. Um, where I am trying to change my persona from an opinionated person to a quiet person. But I usually leave my DMs open. Um, I, I, you can reach me on, on at an ADU door. Um, if the DMs are not open temporarily, you can just tweet at me and say you want to send me a DM and then I would respond to you. Um, my, my usual advice for most people, whatever the question is and whoever you're approaching, I think it's always great to have a strong intro. So it's not hi, hello, and then you're waiting for me to say hi, hello. No. Even if you want to break it into two messages, you can say hi, hello, and then in the second message, you say, uh, permit me to, this is what I'm looking for. And finally, do a bit of homework. Um, don't come there and say, what is developer relations? I expect you to have Googled what developer relations is, and then you can come to me and say, I've tried to figure out what developer relations is, and I've checked on the Google website, and I've seen these roles, and I'm preparing for this. I have a this, this, this. What do you think I can do next, right? So if, if it's a bit of, of a comprehensive outreach, um, then someone can say, okay, I'll get back to you or can just be really intrigued at the moment by your approach and respond to you immediately. But hi, hello, how was your night? Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, okay, so there you have it. Um, when you're sending a DM to not even just an Eddie but anyone, please go straight to the point. And okay. it's, a lot of people just on. are good um, with hi, hello. I guess we've sort of like come to the end of this. I do think okay, it seems we have a breaking connection. Um, can you still hear me? Okay, so while that um, gets better, um, the point is, so don't um, say hi or hello. Like, so go straight directly to the point and um, 
ask what you want to ask and always do your research because it's super important. Hi, hello will not get you anywhere and you, you would, let's say you would 80% not, not get a response. So hi, so just get you to the point. And yeah, so do you have any last words before we end the session? Yeah, great. I, I, I really do hope we build more engineering and more platform companies and product companies in Nigeria and on the continent. And I do hope we build more roles, more sustainable businesses, so more people can get into the whole developer relations, developer advocacy. Finally, um, I think if you really want to work in developer relations, you, you just have to care about the community. Um, whether you're outwardly expressing it or forming to express like I do, you have to care. Um, you have to be bothered about what happens to the developers and the people who work for your company or the general ecosystem. Um, I think that's the one trait I didn't necessarily mention when I talked about the two things. So yes, you have to have your footprints, you have to have your technical abilities, uh, but you just need to care. Amazing. So um, thanks so much, Anedi, for hopping on this um, call, this chat. Um, so we're super excited to have you, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to have questions after. You can um, tweet at Anedi. His handle is going to be on the poster, so you can just tweet at him. So you want to send him a DM, and he'll just respond to you. So thanks so much again. Thank you. Yeah, all right. Have a nice day.